Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have the great pleasure of sitting here in front of Tarek Hassan, who is the CMO of Petco. Tarek, hi, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And I said that very intentionally, Tarek Hassan, because you and I were teasing earlier that a lot of people mispronounce your name. And so, uh, did I get that right? You did, thank you. Excellent, (laughs) excellent. I've been practicing over here, and you gave me some good coaching. So, Tarek, you are the CMO of Petco, and super excited to have you with me today. We've been chatting already about some really incredible things, and this is going to be a packed podcast because there's a lot to cover, and I'm excited. Um, but why don't we start with you sharing how long have you been at Petco, and why did you take on this role as CMO? I've been at Petco uh, just about nine months, and I joined uh, the organization actually initially last summer. Uh, came in to do some consulting uh, for a leader who I have worked with in the past, and then uh, in his new role, asked me to come and help him out, and had the opportunity to get to really know the organization understand the incredible power of the brand that we had and the vision for the business we had. And I've had the great pleasure of being able to move into the full-time role of CMO, which I'm just thrilled about. Yeah. And it sounds like you're already off to an incredible, not even a start. I mean, it's like you're sprinting. You're doing all kinds of really cool new things to really go through this transformation. So I want to come back and talk about the transformation that you've been leading. Um, But real quickly, tell us about your background because you you didn't come from retail per se. No, I didn't come from retail and and nor did I come from a a corporate marketing side originally either. The first uh, half of my career was on the agency side. Uh, I come out of a background of uh, strategic planning. Um, spent about 15 years of my career uh, in the agency world, including uh, as a leader of a startup agency under Omnicom uh, for a number of years. And so I, my current leader, who I work for, Ron Coglin, CEO of our company, uh, was a longtime client uh, first, and then eventually I worked for him as a CMO. And as he teases uh, with my joining him in this role, that I'm, I'm a sucker for punishment because I <laughs> agreed to join him a third time as his CMO uh, with Petco as he became CEO of the company a little over a year ago. Wow. Okay. So tell us about some of the things that you're working on. I mean, there's just a broad range that you were talking about, but what are the ones that are truly uh, excite you every day? Well, I think that, you know, for us, it's less about what are we doing in terms of transformation of retail. I think mm-hmm. for us, 
it's really the transformation of our relationship with pet parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of why I, I chose to join the organization was when you have the opportunity to enter into a category that has great emotional hooks to it. Um, as a marketer, trying to make your brands uh, more compelling and differentiating is hard enough. But if you can find elements of emotion connection mm-hmm. to your to your customer, that's a, usually a pretty compelling place to start. And I dare say, short of uh, you know maybe their baby pictures, the next most common <laughs> photo that anyone will take off their iPhone to show you will be that of their of their pet, their their fur baby, if you will. Oh yeah, um, and I've so, got fur baby for sure. Do you? I've always what do you have? had fur babies. She's a boxer mix, all yeah. kinds of crazy things in her, but she's just so cute. And, and, you know, it's that evocative reaction mm-hmm. um, that really was an opportunity for us to think about how do we really start to reestablish our relationship with our customer, r- truly understand what is important to them and how they take care of their pet as opposed to what are the things we provide for them? Do we understand their needs? Do we understand their, their lack of knowledge in certain areas? Do we understand their fears? And how do we start to really develop a, a meaningful relationship with them? And so the opportunity to come into an organization where that's the real focus in order to create differentiation in the category was a pretty exciting opportunity. Yeah. I could talk to you uh, through this whole podcast about how amazing my fur baby is, right? Because people do love to talk about their pets a lot, right? And, oh, she's so cute. She did this. She did that. But what's interesting is, when we were talking about this earlier, is when I first started really looking at Petco many, many years ago, both as a customer but also as a consultant, I was looking at the impact of social media. I heard for the first time in my career at that point, the word oxytocin. And it was a young lady who was working with Petco for the social media group. She was talking about how social media releases oxytocin in the brain, which is a love hormone. It, it makes you feel good. So you're absolutely right. I mean, when we share pictures in person or on through social media about our pet, we feel good. We, we, it actually puts us in a good mood. So tell me a little bit about what you're thinking on on social media. And then I want to come back to the, the greater transformation, if you will. Well, it's funny. You talk about the release of oxytocin. We have on any, any given day in our office – Oh, gosh, I don't know, probably well near 100 dogs running around the office. That's and so, so cool. <laughs> the oxytocin that fires off in terms of your own environment and your culture uh, is something that's just naturally part of, of our world. And, you know, I think the opportunity for how you engage with social environments and allow people to, to you know, connect with us that way, it's pretty easy um, mm-hmm. in many ways in our world. You think about how you try need to try and create social engagement in a lot of categories. Um we just need to try and do it in a way that allows them to engage with us. Um, and frankly, a lot of the things that were being done in this category in the past were pretty rational, were mm-hmm. pretty functional in terms mm-hmm. of the engagement we were having. And so the question becomes less about can you release that oxytocin? The question for us becomes how do you gain a relationship to it? How do you get credit for some of it? How do you have people remember you? Right. Um, because everyone likes to talk about their baby, but will they remember the role you played in it? Right. So in a weird way, um, the challenge actually comes from how do you make sure that the oxytocin doesn't flow at such a level that you're forgotten right, right. in the role that you play? So, um, But that's not a bad challenge to have. No, and a fun one, too. Yeah. And it goes right along with what you were saying earlier, too. I mean, you create products and services for 
technically animals who don't have wallets. So yeah. <laughs> they don't control the checkbook, yeah. right? And they, and they try and tell you what they think sometimes, but you know, but quite often. Look, I, I think um, like a lot of categories, when there is the requirement for change, and everyone understands that to be successful and play in the brick and mortar world has got to require differentiation. We've all got to change the rules of how we do things. And, and you know, I, I've said on numerous occasions, we're no longer in retail, right? We're, and at the same time, we're not going to out Amazon, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, so you then have to say to yourself, well, what's the role you play for these parents, right? And how do you engage with them in a way that they turn left to come to you? Well, when you step back and recognize we call them parents for a reason, it gives you a very rich place to play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The algorithm's not going to help them on the emotional level of confidence. The algorithm's you know, not going to help them uh, with some of the core recommendations they might need help with. And at times, just needing to have a conversation with someone who's been there before, whether mm-hmm. it's one of our veterinarians, whether it's one of our groomers, whether it's one of our folks in the aisle, um, who's able to engage with them on a, on a much more personal level. Yeah, absolutely. I understood. It, it, and, you're, and you're right. I mean, it, that human connection, especially when you're trying to come up with solutions for your pet, is so important to just be able to talk to somebody in in a lot of cases, whether it's fish or dogs or cats. I mean, I remember we, our household got on a fish kick for a while, and I had to learn the entire category. It was a lot to learn. And yeah. You sound like you're what we call a family zoo. You, 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 <laughs> I would have a zoo if I could. Yeah. <laughs> I actually kind of like the underwater frogs more than the fish, I have to admit. But I have a nine-year-old stepson who likes all kinds of crazy things. So often you're working with a relationship with that pet parent, whether it's a nine-year-old boy who will be a 21-year-old man at some point, and he may have the same pet the whole way through, right? And obviously when you're that young, your parents are involved too. Um, But... I mean, that's that's a life stage or a lifelong journey for you with a lot of your customers and helping as they grow, too, and they change. So how does that – I mean, that, that must be a lot of processing of information. When no, you're that's actually the inspiration to change for us is when you consider the world that we live in today and the role of data that we can use – leveraging that data to provide greater value to that mm-hmm. relationship to understand um, – who your son's dog is, mm-hmm. what breed it is, how old it is, its previous medical history, you know, any nutrition issues that it's had, what are the changes that take place as, it, as the dog gets older. Um, that's an opportunity to actually engage with you on that lifelong journey to make that a better quality of life. And that's mm-hmm. really what um, positioned the company to make some of the changes that we made was to pivot and just ask ourselves a really basic question. If it's good for the pet, then it's good for the business. Are we doing those things? And if we are, mm-hmm. then we have confidence that the business will follow. And so then if I can know those things about your your relationship mm-hmm. and know those things about your pet, then I can engage with you a very, very different way than simply, um, you know, aisle four on the left. Yeah, absolutely. It's hyper complex when you think about the communication that you need to be providing to these pet parents in different modes. So for instance, if they're shopping online, they're probably looking to purchase products. But if they're in a dog park and their dog just got bit by another dog, if they pick up the phone and look at Petco, they might be searching for health information or or you know, any kind of content that can help them in that situation. Like 
how do you even start to begin to think about the processing of all those modes of interaction and, and, and how to organize uh, accordingly? Well, the first thing you do is put your customer at the center. You mm-hmm. start to ask what are the, the need states that they have. And um, the examples you gave are, are, are great examples. Some of these things exist and some of these things we're continuing to develop and we're, we're experimenting and learning. Uh, and customers mm-hmm. are helping us get there. Being at arm's length of of answers for them is going to be a critical part of what we do going forward. We do do a pretty extensive Q&A capability for them today. But to be able to leverage data for them to basically have the same kind of human analog access Mm -hmm. to medical and health information is is exactly where we're going for tomorrow. Um, In the same way that you can, you know, text your primary care physician and ask a question – uh, you know, and, and, and it's a tricky one. Mm-hmm. How do you use both data to be able to use AI and answer versus when do I need to hand you off to a human versus when do I need to put you actually into the hands of a, you know, hands-on fur physician? Mm-hmm. Now, the complexities you have to work out. <clears throat> but but you know you have to do those things because those are the things that will differentiate and those are the things your customers are, are looking for to have that kind of relationship. They want to know that, that someone's on the other end that's looking out for them. Yeah, to your very good point. I mean, they are looking to you to take care of them, not you, who is the CMO, but the people in the store. And we were just talking about how your employees at the store level are such a critical part of the entire value proposition um, that consumers feel can feel that oxytocin walking into the store as well. Like, how do you think about your role as CMO and how you are working with? store operations. Look, I think that I think the first thing you have to think about is what's what's the actual culture of the company. And that culture can't stop at the front of your store and end, you know, until you're at the corporate headquarters. There has to be a universal understanding of what we're trying to achieve and and it starts with having a vision for the company. It starts having a very clear understanding of what the strategy is of what we're trying to do. It equally has a critical importance of having people understand what they can say no to and what they stop focusing on. Where are you placing the priorities of, of what we're trying to do? Um, and so to answer your question, the role of a CMO, <clears throat> I think, extends well beyond what we do from marketing externally to our customers and really ensuring that we are increasing understanding what the experience they'll have. Uh, in our stores, but that also means understanding what it is it that our employees, and you know, in fifteen hundred stores, um, understanding their situation, understanding what they see, what they hear, um, right. because they're there real time. And how do we also help them? How do we make sure that they have the information that they require uh, to be able to engage those guests in a very different way? Because if we're asking um, our company to pivot and have that kind of relationship with uh, with these pet parents. Who else is more important to empower than than the folks that they are greeting them in the stores when they come in? So that's critical. And you were talking about – I love this concept you had about red, yellow, green. And, you know, why are we only focusing on the red? Can you explain that? Well, I think part of it comes back to um, – what is exactly that you ask an organization to focus on? And quite often we, we have an overfixation on focusing on what's broken. And so the, so the proverbial red light, yellow light, green light, um, first of all, do you understand what the importance of the things that drive satisfaction in that relationship to your customer are? And if, if you do understand them, <laughs> then do they help you actually rank order what your priorities are? And so too often when we do those exercises, we'll focus on the red lights because that red means that there's a problem. 
um, that may not be the most meaningful value return for that customer. And mm-hmm. so spending time on ensuring green remains green mm-hmm. and actually getting yellow to green, depending on what the what the, the, the value of it is, can provide a much greater value back to the company. And so I was joking around with you earlier. And, you know, sometimes we, we have this habit of sending people into a dark closet to fix a light bulb, you know, on a, that will never get turned on. <laughs> but it was burnt out. And so now we fixed it and, and you can check the box um, versus do you have something else where the value of what you actually work on will have a much bigger impact for you know either the company's experience or the customer's experience. And so we're doing a lot of work right now where we're not only looking at what that value exchange is for the customer, but then in turn helping our employees understand why that's important for them, helping them understand how they're doing on those things, and then starting to reward them on their performance for their ability to act on the things that add value to that customer and add value to the company rather than the things that you just do because the light bulb is out and it needs to be changed. Right. And that's one of those places where it would be okay for them to say, no, I'm not going to do that activity Well, and right I think, now. you know, I think um, getting that kind of feedback mm-hmm. and, and having them understand that those are values, it, it removes even the tension of worrying about no. It, it actually mm-hmm. helps them understand where to focus and mm-hmm. and again then it does allow leaders to be able to say I know that was what we previously were doing but mm-hmm. the value exchange has moved mm-hmm. and so let's focus on those things that bring value and the great part about that is if <laughs> once you do that it has a positive impact on the value your employees perceive they're providing for their customers right. as well and that has a great multiplier effect mm-hmm. because you have to remember our employees you know Many of them, they're not actually there uh, just to serve people. They're there because they have a passionate, true, committed love for the caring of the animals Mm -hmm. uh, that we sell products for. And so being able to provide a situation where they can give them the information they need to feel like the value they're providing, that's, that's pretty powerful for an organization. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking a really good recipe, right? Empowerment, engagement, incentive, inclusion. Jeez, you got them all there, right? Well, and, you know, and, and, and they weren't all there. Um, we have a fantastic leadership that spent a lot of time trying to understand what, what were the pieces uh, that we could add into the organization that we could listen and learn that we're missing um, and provide. And then as a leadership... Uh, ensure that we were empowering people to pursue those things. And the the fifth one, I guess I would add, just to round it off, would would be um, driving some of this change through and transformation through transparency. Um, mm-hmm. And as a leadership, being open about the things we do well, about the things that we're this opportunity to drive change, um, and then letting people know how they're doing and how we're doing. And that's what we've been focusing on. I love that. I love that. So, okay, that's actually a pretty good recipe, the five things. I'm going to remember that. So let's talk about one of those five, too, because it's a personal passion for you and for me, this concept around not just diversity, but true inclusion. Any tips that you can share for leaders on how to really foster an environment that is truly inclusive? I don't know if I would say tips. Um, I'm admittedly not somebody that talks about diversity and inclusion as a project, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think it's something that you have to commit to. Um, I think it's something that organizations 
have to first of all understand who they are, um, where they actually currently stand in terms of their representation, and look at that representation in a broad way. Look at it both across age and gender and social economic and you know all of the <clears throat> the racial and uh, sexual orientation issues. You have to understand where you are today. And then you have to make a commitment to where you're going tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I use the word commitment with intent. We're in the business world where we are rewarded by our ability to set goals and achieve them. And so when it comes to what our culture looks like and the representation of our organizations, um, you've got to make the same sort of commitments. And representation and the way we look as an organization isn't enough because, frankly, you're missing out on a massive opportunity to learn, um, have a diverse perspective in the organization as a result of bringing together these amazing capabilities. Um, and so it's something we've taken very seriously. We've, we've put a hard number in place as a leadership organization, and, and we have made specific numerical commitments to – put people in roles uh, from underrepresented communities to allow our organization to reflect the world at large, to reflect our customer base at large, and certainly to reflect those who are working across organizations. And so uh, we deal with unequivocal pride. And and I don't know that I would want to be a part of an organization that wasn't willing to sort of put their thumbprint on that and say, this is what we're going after. Yeah. And you've done such a, a spectacular job. You are one of our champions, right? I, I am honored uh, to, to be part of that inaugural class, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I say that with the pride of the people that it represents. And, and for me, I say it with the pride of those who came before me and have created opportunities um, that maybe weren't present, that created the ability for some of us to raise our voices about some of these issues in ways that we previously couldn't have. Um, and so I guess I take it as much as a, not only as a commitment but a responsibility um, for those of us who are now in positions to actually impact this. Um, so, yeah, I, I am uh, – I don't know if I'd say champion. I, I, I'll take that uh, with humble respect. But, um, I, again, I think this is you – don't, you don't pursue change unless there's uh, – unless it's part of your passion and part of your belief system. So whether or not you think you are a champion or not, you have earned the title. You will officially be having lunch with the rest of the champions for the Ad Color Ad Week Champions of Award Ceremony, right? I, I will. I'm humbled by, by the company um, that's, you know, and I'm humbled. And at the same time, I'm, I'm not surprised by the faces. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there are some leaders, frankly, that I uh, – I'm honored to be in the same room and considered in the same league of, and, and, you know, one of them in particular has been a true mentor of mine, Antonio Lucio. Uh, mine too. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, I've gone to school on, on someone else's putt because I've learned from some really great leaders like him and, and some of the others that are represented. And, um, I don't, I look forward to when we don't have to talk about championing this, right. if that makes sense. Understood. 100%. And so while I am graciously honored by it, um, there's a part of me that looks really forward to not having to celebrate what is it effectively uh, our commonplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, I'm absolutely thrilled to celebrate 
those of us that are pursuing this, but I'm more excited to celebrate when the changes are, are actually happening. 100% agree with you. And at least let's just say to make change, you have to take steps and we're all Absolutely. taking steps. So Absolutely. thanks for taking some big ones because um, it's important that we we not just talk about it anymore. We, let's get let's get it done. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, look, I think I think it's important you pause and acknowledge that it has gotten easier to talk about mm-hmm. um, that organizations are taking steps. Do we have a lot more work to do? Absolutely. Um, but I think to your point, I, I think it's important to take a moment and to recognize uh, not only the opportunity for us to do these things, but to recognize when organizations respond. Right? And so any of us that are in a position of, of being recognized for our work, uh, you can't do it unless you're in an environment that's going to allow you to embrace that pursuit mm-hmm. and so uh it's an exciting time yeah an exciting time of change so hence where we started this discussion that there's so much to talk about that you've achieved and are doing within the course of already just nine months of being there you happy with the progress and where you're heading next well the skeptical optimist in me is never fully happy with the progress <laughs> um and and i think we as a leadership team see so much more opportunity ahead of us. But I couldn't be more thrilled and proud of the work that we've put in uh, to start this journey. Uh, In a short period of time, we've put the industry on notice. We've let them know that there's a standard of nutrition uh, that we think is an optimal way to do what's right for the pet. Um, We've started to guide our business by that very thought. If it's right for the pet, then it's right for the business. And and the market is starting to show that they agree with us. Um, And from a marketing perspective, yeah, we've made a lot of changes in a short period of time. We have new agency partners um, who I've welcomed on board and have been a tremendous uh, part of helping us drive this journey. We have new communication and a new voice in the marketplace to express the things that we've been doing that has been very well received. And I have a tremendous organization who has embraced and accepted uh, just a tremendous amount of change in a very short period of time with nothing but uh, a sort of take that hill mentality um, with excitement. Um, And at times, even when I'm certain, they must feel like it's 180 degrees from where they've, they've been asked to go before. Um, have done it with grace, have done it with enthusiasm, and have in many ways uh, given me the continued conviction that w- the changes we need to continue to make in the organization are possible. Because, you know, we talked a little bit about this earlier, none of this works without your people. Right. And so the, the, the thing I am continue to be really focused on and the thing that we as an organization are focused on is uh, – the top of our strategy, which is our people, mm-hmm. and and make sure that we're providing them the right focused feedback and direction, and that we're giving them what they need to be successful. So excited about the progress, happy about the progress. Um, pause for a moment to enjoy the victories mm-hmm. here and there, but Absolutely. but we got a lot of work to do uh, in order to get to where we want to go as an organization. Well, it sounds super exciting, and obviously you are very excited about it. So I can see the joy in your in your yeah. in your eyes, in your smile as you talk about all the fun things that you're working on. So we are 
very close to almost out of time. I want to ask you a couple last questions. And outside of Petco, what's a personal passion of yours? So passions outside of work, uh, they range from an extension of some of the things we were talking about from diversity and inclusion. And I think that comes from both, you know, working in international for a long time, living abroad for a long time. Um, my own personal background, uh, you know, being uh, you know, second generation of, of immigrant grandparents and um, knowing and watching what it took for them to sort of create a better life. And that's always been very close in our household. So that's something that not only is a passion point for what I do within my job um, and some of the areas we talked about mm-hmm. representation, but the work I do outside of it, I'm, I, uh, I sit on the board of a wonderful organization called uh, Education for Employment. Mm-hmm. It's a global organization that does vocational training and job placement for youth at risk across the Middle East and North Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's probably, uh, again, linked back to that sort of journey of my grandparents and going back to a region that I, I you know, is near and dear to me and being able to feel like I'm contributing and giving something back. Um, so that's something that I take a lot of joy and, and, and pride in giving my time to. I'm a theater lover, and, I, and I'm and i directly involved with a, a small community theater here in New York that I enjoy spending some time. And then, you know, my the rest of it, when I'm, you know, not back and forth between the East and West Coast, uh, you know, finding time with my family. And my daughter's obviously a special point of, of joy and pride for me, and uh, getting to spend time with her is is. is uh, pretty special as well. Okay. So um, my last question to you, if money and talent were no object, you could be doing anything in the world, what would you be doing? I'm going to add one to that. So if it was money, (laughs) talent, and age at this point (laughs) were no object, um, I'd be playing second base for the Chicago Cubs. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, um, I think those years have passed, but uh, yeah, no, if that was... If that were the option. That, all right. <laughs> there we go. That, that, so I have not gotten that one yet. So it's a, Well, I'm, who wants to go to work every day when I can you know, get up and, 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 and play, play baseball every day? That's not a bad way to spend your time. Baseball. There you go. Yeah. Well, this, this has been so much fun chatting with you. We'll have to get like a big baseball game going with you know, all the folks that we know. Maybe the champions should have a baseball game. Well, you know, and I think um, – with Petco, we might have a park where we can help you with that. You know? <gasps> I think a, so. <laughs> yes. Okay. We have, we have a small ball, we have a small ballpark in San Diego that we're proud to proud partners with the San Diego Padres. So I think we might be able to come up with something. Okay. <laughs> I, I think we're going to put our heads together on this one for sure. <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I once wrote a, an article called "The Secret Dreams of CMOs." It was after my 16th CMO moves release because I was fascinated by all the answers I was getting at the end. I was just feeling spunky. I wove together this crazy story. What would happen if everyone was pursuing their secret dream? So anyways, you are now going to be officially part of that secret dream web (laughs) I weave. So um, anyways, thank you so much for joining me here today at the the Adweek Studios. It's been a true pleasure chatting with you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content, so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? 
We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.